Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Indie Podcast, a show where we hear real life success stories from freelancers and entrepreneurs, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them so that you can too. I'm your host, Brant Sohn, and today I'm joined by freelance photographer Lindsay Moss. She's a professional food photographer who's here to share all about starting a freelance photography business, including the equipment you need, where you can find clients, and how to grow a successful photography business. So if you are a freelancer or an aspiring photographer, there's going to be a lot of information that's going to help you grow your business. So let's dive in. Lindsay, it's so great to have you on the show today. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks. Uh, so today we're going to talk about how to start a freelance photography business. Uh, with the rise of platforms like Instagram and with cameras being more accessible than ever before, uh, this is a freelance career that's been rapidly on the rise over the past decade. So before we dive into how to start a photography business, uh, let's talk about your journey into photography. Uh, what first inspired you to become a photographer? And was this always an interest of yours growing up? Or did that passion for photography come later in life? It's definitely something that grew for me. So um, photography, specifically food photography, happened to be really therapeutic for me. And uh, I have been a freelance graphic designer since 2009. And a lot of the work that I did focused heavily on brand identity, logos, and things like that. And I was in it, and I loved it, and I loved what I did. And uh, my mom had a baking business. And of course, I was the first person she came to when she needed some branding. I took care of that for her. And to make an incredibly long story short, uh, in 2017, she decided, hey, I want to take this online. I want to start selling more online. And obviously, if you're going to try to sell something online, especially food, you need quality pictures. Mm -hmm. You need to make it look good. People are going to see it and, and want to buy it. They're not going to buy something if they don't have a visual to go along with that. So right. she approached me and, and asked if I would take some pictures for her. And up until this point, so this was 2017, and up until this point, I had struggled a lot with disordered eating, um, body dysmorphic disorder is something that I've struggled with for um, since my teens. And uh, I knew that this was not going to be something that was easy for me. I'm going to pick up a camera and I'm going to take pictures of all of these foods that normally I would label as bad. Um, but I found that through the process of food photography, it changed my perspective on food and it shifted the control. And um, so it gave me a different sense of control whenever uh, it came to food. And it was so beneficial for me. The whole process was so beneficial for me that from then on in 2017, I thought, yeah, this is absolutely something that I want to shift and incorporate because now this is not just a business that is growing, but it's also something that is helping me uh, just emotionally and psychologically. And what could be better than to put my career and something that is therapeutic for me together? Well, I'm sorry about those experiences. And, you know, a lot of the time, the, the best art comes from those difficult times in our lives. And Absolutely. so I'm happy you were Absolutely. able to take those experiences and turn them into uh, a powerful creative outlet. And uh, I think that's super inspiring. And, um, and it sounds like it's just been a very cathartic experience for you. Absolutely. Was the transition into photography difficult? Um, because I had read that you did graphic design for about 12 years, was it? Mm-hmm. 
And so was that a difficult transition for, uh, or did it feel very natural? Did it feel like a lot of those skills transferred over? I think, now there were definitely some skills that transferred over. There are things in the design world that are mimicked or used a lot in photography, like composition, color theory, um, and different rules of layout. Those are very similar. I think I transitioned well because I, I grew to love it so much, but also I'm the kind of person that I love a good challenge and I love to be creative. And if you can put something that's challenging and something that's creative together, I am on board. So I think the shift was easy for me just because of my love for a challenge and being creative. What do you feel has been the most challenging part of this transition? Um, I think the most challenging part is when it comes to photography, as opposed to design, if somebody approaches me and they need a logo done, they need some kind of graphic done, they have a style in mind and they have an idea. And a lot of times as a designer, your goal is to take their idea and to bring it to life. Mm -hmm. But in photography, a lot of times the client will seek you out because of your style. They don't come to you with an idea, they say, I want you to take your style and implement it on our product or at our restaurant or whatever the case may be. Hmm. So that was different for me because now I have to formulate a style. I have to work on what visually do I want to get across. And that was something that um, was a challenge, but whenever I really nailed it down, it became so natural for me because a lot of times the photography that people, uh, that photographers tend to gravitate towards creating those type of images, uh, they are kind of a reflection of their personality. And I love vibrant, loud uh, images, and it's very much a reflection of my personality. I have right. never been told uh, to speak up. <laughs> I've often been told that I'm talking too loud. And I think when you see my photography, it's pretty evident that that's my personality. <laughs> Speaking of uh, dealing with clients, um, I thought that was a very interesting point that you brought up that you have to now have your own style and mix that with the client's kind of vision for what they're looking for. So how do you handle balancing like your own artistic creative vision versus like the practical demands of the clients? Yeah, that's always a challenge. Um, but I think the difference between this is another shift from the design world to the photography world is a lot of times if somebody is hiring you to design something, they come to you with expectations of how long is this going to take because they don't know. And, and people, because you can take a picture with your phone, you can get a point and shoot camera and anybody can take a picture. They don't necessarily have the same frame of mind as a photographer and what goes into the shooting process, right. uh, what goes into the editing process, what goes into the setup and the teardown, and especially with food, there's a lot that goes into the little tweaks. It might take you an hour to get one shot just right. And sometimes you have to explain to them, yes, I would love to shoot your entire 30-piece menu, but that's not possible in four hours, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you say to yourself, I want to become a photographer and you make the decision to become a freelancer. What made you want to take up freelancing versus working for a company or an agency? Oh yeah. Um, that's definitely a choice that you have to make. And it's, 
it comes down to a personal decision. But for me, I have been a freelance graphic designer and an on-staff at a company graphic designer. And I found that while being a freelancer is very difficult in terms of finding clients and making things work, um, it was much more freeing for me. And I found that through the, the process of being a freelancer, I was able to work it around the things that were most important to me. And I was able to uh, kind of mold it to what I was able to do at the time. And I think ultimately what really made the decision final for me to, to pursue freelance photography was in 2017, around when I took those pictures, my first child, my son, was just a few months old. And I knew that I wanted to have more children. And I knew that this was something that if I wanted to get into, that I wanted to make sure that I could balance the other things that were a priority to me, being a mom and taking care of my kids. They're only going to be little babies for so long. And I think the choice to do freelance um, was ultimately the best decision. And that's not to say that in the future, I'm completely writing off the concept or the idea of joining in with a company mm -hmm. or an agency. That would be great. But right now, for my personal capacity, that is absolutely the best decision because I can make my schedule work around school pickup and drop off and I can be present in all of the places of my life that I want to be present. Yeah, that's the the amazing thing about freelancing is there's so much freedom with it and it is a yeah. it's a lot of hard work in the beginning to yeah. get a business going, but once you have that uh just the freedom to to work when you want or with who you want um and like you said you can always just jump back into an agency and then hop back mm -hmm. into freelancing whenever you need to. Did you feel that since you had already been a freelance graphic designer that it was easier to get clients this go around or was that just a whole other process too? It was definitely easier. You get, uh, I already had my feet wet, so to speak, when it comes to building client relationships. So that wasn't a new concept for me. I knew that was going to be important. So straight out of the gate, I knew that the client relationship was going to be important and something I needed to focus on. So uh, that was something that I didn't have to learn, which was wonderful. It was a great way. I think I've heard from photographers that have all different backgrounds, not just design, but maybe from, uh, there's a really, really well-known food photographer. Her name is Joni Simon. And when she first started out, she was a counselor and she has found ways to take what she learned in, in being a counselor and move that into her photography business as ways to build positive client relationships. And that's something that she hmm. excels at and uh, she, that she's known for. And I think you can move and you can take anything that you learn from a previous career into a creative career if you just find ways to do that. I'm sure there are ways that you could find ways to take what you learn from any career path and move it to a creative path and, and the other way around too. Um, so yeah, that was something I didn't have to learn, uh, but something that I did have to learn was that I, that is different was the breakdown of the time commitment for things. Um, it's usually easy for me 
from a design perspective, for somebody to ask me for a logo and for them to give me a general idea of what they're looking for, and I can come back with, oh yeah, I'm sure I can have you your first round of comps in this amount of time, we will review together and then I'll send you another set. But it was totally different. I didn't know how long it was gonna take me to get certain shots. And that was something I had to learn, which through a lot of testing and trial and building my portfolio at home uh, was the best way to do that. But yes, the time that it would take is, is very different than if you're trying to do, just sit at a computer and do the design work yourself. Right. That's uh, it's an interesting point because there is like a, when you first start with anything, you don't realize how long it's going to take you. Yep. And that can also, it can make setting your prices kind of a challenge too. Yeah. And so yes. does, does, do you factor that time? Do you charge by the hour? Do you charge by the, the event or the project or how does that work? Yeah. So food photographers um, and product photographers too, they will usually work on a day rate. So you will give them a day rate. Um, of course, other photography genres, they use different methods. Some of them will charge by hour. Some of them will charge by image. Some of them will just charge for the total project. They want to have a one-on-one a -on -one and talk through the project and see exactly and specifically what the client's looking for. Um, and of course, wedding photographers and portrait photographers have their own setup for putting out a pricing method too. But when it comes to dialing in exactly what you need to be charging for. Uh, it's super important uh, to take into account all of the things that it will cost you financially and with your time. There are investments that you're going to make that are not going to be reflected on the invoice that you send to the client. Those are things like all of the fees that you have to pay for, transaction fees, software fees, uh, if you pay an accountant to do your taxes, and that's a whole nother ball game is having to sit down and spend the time doing all the accounting. You're doing all of your own admin work, sending emails. You are responsible for keeping all of your files organized. You are responsible for the care and maintenance of all of your equipment and the purchasing of all of that equipment. If something were to go wrong, having backups, there's just so many things and every area of photography has a different setup of what is the bare minimum that you need to get these things done. Um, so it will look different. Your cost of doing business is going to look different depending on the area that you go into. But those are all things that you have to take into account. So when that client gets the invoice and, and they see that the price that you've set, uh, they may not understand all of the other hours that you spent that they weren't with you and all of the other things that you had to account for to keep your business running and for it to be a profitable business because ultimately people go into the freelance world to uh to work for themselves and if you don't want to be working for somebody else you want to be working for yourself it's important to make sure that you are setting yourself up for success financially yeah, when you get into freelancing, I mean, you don't realize how much of a business it is. It just feels like, okay, yeah. I'm going to work for myself. Um, it's going to be easy. And then you don't realize how much, like you said, the admin tasks, you don't realize how many different things you now have to know how to do contracts and how to find clients oh, yeah. and how to invoice. So what kind of software do you use to handle that side of the business? And um, do you recommend any software? 
So, I mean, of course, uh, indie. I love indie. Um, I've been a long time indie user. I've uh, been an indie user since before it was indie. Um, so, uh, yeah, I love indie. I, hand, I use indie for uh, my uh, contracts, for invoices. Uh, I send files through indie. I don't use a Dropbox format. I use indie to store as cloud storage and to send my files. Um, as far as like editing software, it's basically standard. You're gonna need to learn the Adobe Basics uh, photography, the photography suite, which usually just includes Photoshop and Lightroom. Um, because I'm also a designer and I have residual clients that still come to me for design work, I use all the Adobe software. So I have Illustrator, I have Premiere Pro, all of, the, all of it. Um, but those are really the only two uh, main things that I use as far as the the business side, getting the client stuff done and getting my editing work done. Um, but of course there are little things that are not necessary but are really good to have, like a domain for your website. Um, and also I have a custom email address through, uh, through Google. That's where I own my domains and that's where my custom email address is from. So instead of using something like your name at Gmail, you have your name at whatever your website is dot com. Um, and that's nice. Uh, it's not necessary, but it does level up the professionalism. Uh, a lot of clients really appreciate that. And it also is a really great way to keep all of your client stuff separate from your personal email inbox. That's something I would absolutely recommend. If you're gonna set up a business, even if you do set up a Gmail account, your business at gmail.com, um, I absolutely recommend setting up a separate email account so that you have a way to filter all of your clients in one place, but also you have a way to turn off your workday. That's just something that's really big for freelancers is having the ability to step away and turn off your work brain and turn on your home brain or your mom brain or your friend brain, you know, whatever, and be able to disengage. And all of the little ways that you can find to incorporate that are just absolutely gold. So you don't reach the point of being overwhelmed and burnt out on what you're doing. That's really great advice about setting up a professional front for your business, because the more professional your business appears to clients, I think that could definitely fast track your career by having a professional website and a strong portfolio. So with your portfolio, how did you go about choosing what kind of photos you wanted to include? Is there any key elements you recommend for a good portfolio? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're going to set up a portfolio of, of any kind, any area of photography, it's super important that you dial in what your style is, because ultimately that's what they're hiring you for is the style that you have. Um, really getting that, that is something that is representative of you and something that you enjoy doing and something that you know you can consistently replicate. Um, and, and don't focus on it being what you see everybody else doing. Whenever I first started in food photography back in 2017, it was a very popular thing for things to be very light and for there to be a little bit more, I don't kind of like a farmhouse feel and things are moving away from that quite a bit now. Uh, but I would try, I would put out scrunch up napkins and get 
flowers and try to take the pictures. And it just wasn't me. I just did not connect with it. And I started taking vibrant, high contrast, high impact, very pop art style photos. And I thought, man, I love this. This is what I want to do. This is what I love. This is what I like. And so I moved my portfolio to being only those images. And it's important to nail down a style that you know that you love because if they're hiring you for what they see in your portfolio, they're gonna expect that whenever they hire you. And as a freelancer, if you want to enjoy what you do, it's important that your portfolio reflects the things that you like to do and the photographs that you like to take. So that's really important, is finding what you resonate with, the style that fits you, and what you really enjoy doing. I love that because you know ultimately that's why clients are hiring you like yeah. you said is for your style and if you're constantly chasing trends those trends aren't going to live forever and so then you're right. always going to be switching up your style just to keep up and it's not going to be you it's not going to be separating you from other freelancers uh your style yeah. is what separates you and what i love about photography is that there's a hundred different ways that you could photograph an object and the yeah. technical side of capturing a photo changes depending on the time of day and, and so many other factors. So I can imagine that the food industry has a whole set of challenges that are completely different from photographing sports or weddings. Yes. So what are some of the challenges of photographing food? Yeah, so um, there's a joke that I like to make as to why I prefer food photography over portrait photography. And uh, I always tell people it's because it's frowned upon to poke toothpicks in people, but you can poke toothpicks in food, um, which is obviously a joke. But uh, the the biggest challenge with food is that there are certain types of, of dishes that you will shoot that can sit under lights or can sit at room temperature for an extended period of time, and they don't change their consistency or their shape like donuts. You mm -hmm. can sit those out. And it's, especially if you're using flash, so the light is not on it constantly, um, you can take as much time as you need to to photograph those donuts. But if you're going to use something that, if you want to catch the steam off of a bowl of soup, you have a very short window of time. If you want to slice some raw apples or some raw bananas and you put it over some yogurt, uh, you have a very short window of time before those apples will start to turn brown. And, uh, or especially with things like splash photography or catching the cheese pull on a pizza, all of those things, you have a very short window of time. And so you have to learn to get things set up the way that you want them, do a couple test shots with some things that you don't mind if they look good or not. So, you know, you can get the shot right and, uh, and then go for it. And that's kind of exhilarating. That's a, the kind of a rush. It's that you get from food photography is you go to drop that cube of ice into that drink. You're like, am I going to nail it? Am I going to get it? And it's a, it's a lot of fun, but yeah, it's definitely a big challenge when it comes to photographing food. That's interesting because I, I kind of assumed that the food was fake, like in commercials and, and pictures. So it is real food. Yes, it is. And actually there, that's a whole different range of food photographers is there are food photographers that they do a lot of commercial work, uh, things that you would see on a billboard, or if you're going to purchase specifically like a whole turkey, meat is very difficult to photograph. Uh, so there are photographers that prefer to 
do some cheats or some workarounds or use things that are fake, like instant mashed potatoes instead of actual ice cream. Huh. Uh, and so there are plenty of those photographers. And then there are people that are all the way on the other side that uh, there's a food photographer who's incredible. His name is Andrew Scrivani, and he's out of New York City. And he is very adamant about the food that he photographs will be eaten. It needs to be edible. And he and his team or his team or whoever is around, that food will go to use. And he only photographs food that he knows that it, it's going to be consumed. Um, and then, of course, there are people that are kind of in the middle. Uh, I would say the majority of my photographs lean towards the I'm going to it's going to be edible. It's going to remain edible. Um, the pancakes might have a lot more syrup on them than you wanted them to when you wanted to eat them, um, but they will be edible. So, and, and it's just a personal preference. Uh, and you, and you never know what you're going to get, uh, whenever it comes to food photography. But yeah, I would say I lean much more on the, the keeping the food true to itself and edible. Yeah, I think that really shows from your your photographs because it, it really brings the picture to life when you're using the real food. And um, like you said, of course, you can have a little bit more control over how the food is going to be presented. Um, do you ever take some bites of the food afterwards? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So um, I, there's a, a photograph that I did of a barbecue sandwich and some potato chips. And I got some shots of it from the back. And it was hilarious because... Ha the the barbecue and the slaw and the barbecue sauce were only on the front part of the sandwich. The back of it was being held up with toothpicks. There was like eight toothpicks holding it up back there. So I didn't, it was a, in an attempt not to waste food because uh, I wanted the sandwich to be, to have a lot of height, but I didn't want to use that much meat and that much of, of my food products because I wanted to eat it when I was done. Uh, and so as soon as it was done, I took the bun off, I took the toothpicks off, I smashed the bun back on, and that was my lunch after the shoot was done. <laughs> nice. Perks of the job. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely a perk. I get lots of delicious food. <laughs> so is there a, a lot of leeway with how you take these photos, or do your clients have a certain look that they're wanting? Usually, they they have an, an idea of what they want. Um, and that's something that I request, and that's always a good idea. Obviously, a client's going to see your portfolio and they're probably going to hire you based on the style that you have. But I always ask clients, if you have some ideas, some some images that you've seen that you really like, ones that you would like to replicate for your social media or for your website, put together a Pinterest board and send it over to me. Send me the link. And uh, that's incredibly helpful to get them to kind of look at everything from from the bigger picture and just just throw all of their ideas in one place and from that point you can look at the uh the avenue they want to take with their 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 brand and you can either attempt to go that that way yourself or if it's something that you think aligns really well with the style that you already have absolutely that's going to be something that you can put your own spin on and you can say yes we will absolutely go for this style it's going to have a little bit of a different look because of my particular style but it's what is going to make their brand stand out and be unique because you're not making copycat images you're taking a kind of a vibe that they like but you're putting the spin on it that is unique to you now are you working with mainly restaurants 
I actually do a lot of, so right now, food trucks are kind of a really big thing. Okay. And I just wrapped up a shoot earlier this year for a local food truck, and um, that was a lot of fun. I prefer to work with people that are local. Uh, I love that personal connection and growing that connection. It's also something that, just based on, like I was saying earlier about the capacity that I have, is something that is manageable for me. Um, that's not to say that when my kids are older and they're both in school and I have more time that I won't pursue bigger commercial clients. Um, but right now I absolutely love being able to meet and connect with other local business owners and hearing their story and what they love about their business. And just like I have a story for what got me into food photography every food truck owner, coffee shop owner, cafe owner, catering business, they have their own story. And I love to hear that and to share that. How do you how do you market yourself to these companies? Uh, what are some of the strategies that have worked best for you? So because I focus on local clients, uh, and this is something that comes a little bit easier for me because I'm a very social person and uh, I don't mind talking to people that I've never met before. Uh, but a lot of times I will either shoot an email or give the the restaurant a call during a time that I know that they're not busy and say, hey, my name is Lindsay. I'm a local food photographer. I'd love to come by and just talk to your owner and give you some business cards and, and just connect. Uh, a lot of times that goes really well, just going in and talking and making the connection first before you make the sell the the connection is what's really going to matter and that's what's going to give you the longevity for your business if you are genuine in what you do you and you genuinely want to um work with people and connect with people and collaborate with people that's going to show and not only will you be the one that they choose whenever they decide that they want to pursue more food photography for their business but if they have other friends that are also in food related businesses and they need photography done, they know who to recommend because they say, hey, she, we worked really well together. I really liked her work. Here's her business card. Um, and that's what works well for me is making those connections and not being afraid to open up to other people and to ask them about how they got started and to take an interest in the and the other creatives in the other fields in your area depending on the photography that you want to go into so since i'm in food photography obviously uh, bakers cafe owners um, restaurant owners food truck owners those are the kind of people that that i tend to reach out to and try to connect with yeah in the beginning it, it is uh quite a bit of a hustle like how you yes have it's to, a hustle <laughs> you have to cold cold call people but like you yep. said once you get that going I mean, the referrals, everything just snowballs from there uh, and it gets so much easier. And I think there is, um, you know, you can either cold email or cold call. Um, I like that you cold call because it's uh, yeah. you, it's a lot more personal. Like you said, they get a feel yes. that you're an actual person. Uh, they get a feel for your personality. And, um, and that's like half of client management is just yep. establishing that personal connection. Now you said that- Absolutely. In the that you prefer to stay local and build your business locally um 
but at the same time, Instagram has kind of become the new portfolio in a sense. So has Instagram played a role in how you're promoting your work and building a brand? Yeah. So Instagram was, it was instrumental in the beginning phases of my photography journey. Um, Not for, not necessarily for building a client base, but for connecting with other creatives and for getting quality feedback uh, on my images and did people even like them and uh, connecting with other people that had a similar style or even people that had a completely the opposite style and being able to uh, just express interest in their work and get feedback on my own work that was really beneficial and um, I actually have had clients come to me from Instagram Hmm. uh, that they they saw my they saw my profile and they said, Hey, I like this style. Let's work together. So it is a way to get clients. Absolutely. Um, but Instagram and social media in general is definitely something that if you want a return on, you have got to make the investment to be consistent. Um, and when I was consistent, I was getting more clients whenever uh, from Instagram, whenever I wasn't and currently not super, uh, consistent on Instagram, you don't get as many uh, messages and emails from from that. Uh, but if it's something that you're interested in, photography is something that you're in- interested in, it's free. If you have a phone, you know, it, and you can even upload to Instagram from your computer, which is super convenient. Uh, so being able to have a way to share your work and get feedback on your work is so beneficial. And I definitely recommend that even if you don't, even if you only want to work locally, you don't want to go nationally or internationally with your photography work. Starting out on Instagram is a great way to build your portfolio. You'll find out very quickly what does and doesn't work and what is and is not going to bring in those clients. It's a great way to test things out too. Um, and, And just talk with other creatives. I think I've benefited so much from seeing other work and from talking with other people in the industry and being able to hear how the trajectory of their career started and where it's going and what their plans are. Um, And that's been something that I really enjoy about Instagram, that it's definitely a benefit and you can use it in whatever way that you want if you're willing to put in the work to be consistent. Now, the clients who found you through Instagram, were they local clients who were searching for people in the area or were they long distance clients? Yeah, so all of the clients that I've got from Instagram are local, um, particularly because on a lot of my images, I will use a hashtag. And uh, so I'm in the Jacksonville, Florida area and I will put uh, Jacksonville food photographer, uh, Jack's food photographer, those type of hashtags uh, in my uh, images. And that's actually a trick that I picked up from another food photographer on Instagram who she was talking about, Hey guys, I, I tried this out and it, it worked really well for me. And she would just use the hashtag in the city that she was living in followed by food photographer or food photography. Um, and it made it really easy for local people to find her. That's a great tip. Um, the more you optimize your profile, the better results you're going to get for from sure. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Um, yeah. You mentioned how anybody can take up professional photos with just a smartphone and how photography can be fairly accessible for anyone to get into. 
But it's one of those careers that's also hard to master. Yeah. So what would be the first camera gear that you would recommend for somebody starting out? Because it can get overwhelming with the amount of cameras and lenses available. So for someone just starting out, what would be the gear that you would recommend? Yeah, so there are two main types of cameras that you will encounter when it comes to purchasing um, a DSLR. Uh, And those are crop sensor cameras and full frame cameras. And Nikon, Canon, Sony, they all have both. So a crop sensor camera is going to be on the more affordable side. Uh, You can do all the research in the world that you want to do about crop sensors and full frames. Uh, But the majority of professional images are taken with a full frame camera. And even though the majority of professional images are taken with a full frame camera, I would highly recommend starting out with a crop sensor camera. Uh, And the setup that I first had was a a Canon T3i, which they don't even make anymore. Um, I think the modern equivalent is a Canon Rebel T7, um, but it's a crop sensor camera. It's in the $400 range. And the best lens, no matter what area of photography you want to get into, and by far the most affordable lens, is a a 50 millimeter 1.8. It's a short, squatty little, they call it a pancake. And it looks like a little pancake. Um, It doesn't visually look very impressive, but it takes killer photos. And I did my entire first paid shoot with my uh, little Canon Rebel T3i and a 50 millimeter 1.8. And I still have it. I've obviously have have a full frame camera. I have other lenses now, but I will forever keep my T3i with the 50 millimeter 1.8 as my backup. Um, And I have absolutely no worry at all that if something were to happen to my full frame camera and I had to use my my crop sensor and my 50 millimeter 1.8 lens, uh, I'm not worried about getting good photos because uh, the great thing about crop sensor cameras is that a lot of the features and the settings, all of the manual things that you will encounter on a full frame camera are also on a crop sensor camera. So you've got an affordable price point, you've got the accessibility, uh, you've got all of the options that you're going to need to learn to master when it comes to professional photography and a full frame camera, but you've got it at a really accessible price and Uh, It's something that whether you continue on and go into professional photography or not, I think having a crop sensor camera and a decent lens is um, just a really great thing to have. Uh, There's something there's something special about taking a picture with an actual camera as opposed to your phone. Uh, You go on vacation or you go to a birthday party and you've got your camera. It just feels different. The experience is different. So whether you take that and move into professional photography or not, I think it's an incredible experience and something that you will really enjoy either way. How important do you think it is to have that higher quality gear? You know, because if you don't have the skill set, the the photos won't turn out great no matter what gear you have. So when starting out, is it worth at all investing in that higher end equipment? Or if you have the skills, can you get by with, you know, just starting a business using entry level cameras? Oh, you can absolutely get by. Like I said, I did my very first paid shoot with a, with my crop sensor and my little pancake lens. Um, the The three main things that are crucial when it comes to leveling up to the professional level of photography is you've got to master your 
use of light, whether that be natural light or artificial light, whatever that, that is, or both. I use both um, on occasion. Uh, you have to master light. You have to master composition, so the composition of the shot, and absolutely you have to master getting the focus right. And nailing the focus depending on the depth of field that you're going for, if you want that blurry background, if you want everything in focus, getting, and that comes into your style too, a lot of people, the their focal length that they prefer uh, and the aperture that they prefer is part of their style. Um, but nailing down all three of those things and uh, being able to consistently get those is very important. And you can do that absolutely with a crop sensor and a little lens. Uh, you don't need to spend the money to upgrade. Uh, I think you will know when it's time to upgrade. Whenever you reach the point that you're like, I've mastered the kit that I have, that's when you know to upgrade. Because it's it's ultimately a, a business decision as well. Right. Um, back to what we were talking about, whenever you go into pricing out your work and, and pricing out for your business, you have to take into account, if I upgrade to more expensive equipment, that's money that I'm gonna have to recoup over time through my business. Um, so you really wanna be able to balance out the investment you're putting into your equipment with what is the return that I can expect that I'm capable of getting with this equipment. And you'll absolutely know whenever it's whenever it's time to take the next step, you'll know. Are you ever factoring those charges into your pricing? Like I'm upgrading equipment, now it's time to raise my prices? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as you upgrade over time, it's safe to assume, or you would like to assume, that as you grow your business, that you're also growing your skill set. Uh, and through growing your skill set, you get a different level of experience. You get more experience with the new equipment that you have, and you have a, a broader range of light modifiers, so to speak. So I use a lot of artificial light. Uh, I use uh, flash photography and I use strobes, studio strobes, and there are tons of modifiers, reflectors and umbrellas, soft boxes. There's so many. And by upgrading those type of equipment and having more options as far as lighting is concerned, that absolutely, I was able to move my rates a little bit because I have more flexibility uh, in the lighting that I can achieve for different shots. Uh, so yeah, that's something that you will need to take into account to factor into your business as you grow. Because you're definitely going to want, <laughs> you're going to get to the point that, that you say, oh yeah, I've, I've mastered this particular modifier, but I really want to try to do some shots with the with a rectangular softbox. I want to try that. Or, you know, there's all different grids you can add. And and you will want to to continue to be more creative and to have new skill sets. So being able to incorporate that into your business in a way that it's tangible. Like, am I able to profit enough that I can grow my skills and be creative um, and continue to upgrade what I have and still remain profitable and to have a business and work for myself. Yeah, that's a tricky balancing act because uh, yes. like you said, there's so <laughs> many things out there that you just want it all right away. Yep. Uh, so you know, it's tricky to figure out when to start adding in, um, but that's really great advice. And, and with your background in graphic design, um, how, how do you approach the color grading? 
Um, you mentioned you use Lightroom. And uh, yeah. so do you handle all of that post-production yourself or do you think it's better to outsource uh, the photo editing to other freelancers? So I do all of my own uh, color grading and editing. Uh, it was something that was an easy transition for me because mm -hmm. during the uh, the process of becoming a designer, whenever I was in college, I took some image manipulation courses, a very Photoshop heavy, very um, like really detailed edits, um, compositions uh, where you look, seems like things are falling and you're having to edit out toothpicks and you're having to do some really detailed editing work. So it was something that was easy for me to just step into and incorporate into my photography. And because of that, because it's something that I'm really comfortable with and I really enjoy doing, uh, I have a photography friend that is, doesn't like doing it as much. And there are some things that are really difficult that, that she just can't figure out. And she will often send me editing work um, and I will edit her pictures for her. Uh, and that's totally fine. And, and I think if it's something that you like to do, it's a really smart way to incorporate that into your business as a service that you can offer to other photographers that maybe have a really heavy uh, shooting schedule and they just cannot find the time to edit that you can make that available to do for them. Uh, but also if it's something that you don't enjoy doing and you find that you spend way more time editing than you want to, and you know that as far as the financial decision of your business, it would be a better choice to pay somebody else to do the editing work for you. So then you can spend that time doing more photography work. Um, it is a personal preference and it comes down to what you like. Um, but, but yeah, absolutely. I would say it, it's a great skill to have and something to learn and I enjoy doing it. That's awesome because I think by you taking charge of both the photography and the post-production, it gives you a much greater control over your photos versus outsourcing yeah. it and then having to align with that person on how you want your, your vision to look. Yep. Um, like when you're editing photos with your friend, are you following the vision that she wants? Or are you kind of inputting your own creativity too? Yeah, so it's definitely, um, I lean towards her style. Okay. So um, her style is, is different than mine, um, but being able to complete that style in the editing process um, is something that, that I do in line with her style, not particularly mine. Um, and being flexible in that way, I think is something that I was able to easily pull from being a designer. Because like I said, whenever you're a designer, a lot of times you'll have clients come to you and they want you to bring their vision to life. Right. Um, so being able to do that was something that wasn't a difficult transition for me. Now, maybe you haven't uh, hit a creative wall, but if you have, uh, how do you handle that creative block or that sense of burnout? Oh yeah, so uh, in my design business and in my photography business, I think uh, hitting a creative block or hitting, uh, feeling like you've hit a wall or, you, or you've reached the point of overwhelm and burnout is something that you have to be prepared for mm -hmm. uh, because as a human being, it's gonna happen. Uh, even if you love what you do, it's gonna happen. And I have found that if I neglect the things in my life that charge me up uh, and I spend more time doing things that take effort and drain me, so to speak, if I'm not balancing that out, uh, I get, I hit a creative block quickly or I get to the point of burnout very quickly. 
and it doesn't have to be anything extravagant uh similar to like your your cell phone or your laptop if you charge up the battery it has a certain amount of battery capacity and that's it before you have to charge it back up and i think our bodies and our minds are very similar in that way and um like i said it doesn't have to be anything extravagant so for me things that i know in my life that charge me up are uh spending time with family uh exercising um playing my guitar uh also, it's incredibly important to make sure you're getting enough sleep and staying hydrated. All the things that you know keep your body healthy, keep your mind healthy, uh, make you feel good. Um, if you're making sure that what's charging you up is balancing out all of the tasks that you have to take on, you'll find that you don't reach burnout nearly as quickly. And um, it makes me think of it, of an instance when I was really being diligent about staying on top of things that were charging me up. And I was driving my son to school one day and I looked up at the clouds in, in the sky and the sun was rising. It was beautiful. And, and I thought, man, those clouds look like cotton candy. Uh, I want to do a test shoot. I'm going to go get some cotton candy today. I'm going to do a test shoot and the clouds are going to be cotton candy. And I did this shoot and it's super abstract. Um, and it was a lot of fun. And I think no matter what creative field you're in, if you are making sure that you're keeping yourself well-charged, you will find inspiration in places you didn't even expect. Like it, the, the clouds have absolutely nothing to do with food. But for me in that moment, it was inspiring because my mind was fully charged and ready to go and ready to, to get inspiration from everything. Absolutely. And like you said, I think it's so important that you take that time to, um, for you, it was looking at the clouds and seeing it as cotton candy to, to get back to why you wanted to chase this career in the first place yes. and just get back to the basics and just have fun with it. Um, and, and like, whether it's like watching, uh, you're a videographer and you want to watch movies to get re-inspired. It's so important to maybe even just schedule time each day to, to have oh, some alone sure. time. Uh, because otherwise you, I think it's very easy as a freelancer to get caught on like this hamster wheel that it's like, okay, I need to get more clients. I need to yep. get this project done. And, um, and really quickly it can, it can take a lot out of you. So that being said, um, you know, 12 years ago when you got into graphic design and being a freelancer, uh, were there any like common misconceptions about the freelance industry that surprised you? Um, there are so many misconceptions about um, the freelance industry. Per one of them particularly being that only the best designers or only the best photographers or only the best writers get the work. Um, that's not true. The best marketers and, and the best, the people that are the best at putting themselves out there, they get the work. If you're decent at what you do and you're able to market yourself well, um, those are the people that get the work consistently. Um, but a recent misconception or something that's getting a lot of buzz, I should say, uh, is the concept of artificial intelligence and, uh, artificial intelligence is going to take over the creative field and it's going to take away creative jobs. And I've seen some images that people have created through AI and, and it's incredible. Um, but I don't think that's anything for anyone to be concerned about from my perspective. Um, there, there was recently a study, uh, Harvard Review did this massive study. And 
what they were really looking for was the jobs or the types of jobs that had the lowest satisfaction. What jobs do people have that they absolutely hate? What is it that they have to do every day? And what are the similarities between all of these jobs that people don't enjoy? Uh, can we narrow it down to a common thread? And what they found was the people that were working in fields where a quality human interaction or building a relationship with your coworkers in a positive way was either discouraged or just something that that wasn't available to do. Like if you work in a call center and you're on the phone all day, you might have coworkers around you, but you're not really interacting with them so much. Um, they found that those were the people that were the most miserable at what they did. And that spoke volumes to me. And um, especially when it comes to artificial intelligence, I think there's a way to use it in a, in a way that helps you work smarter, not harder. But at the end of the day, that human element is something that cannot be replicated and it cannot be replaced by any level of artificial intelligence. And I think there's going to be ways that we can use it in a smart way. The, but the misconception that it's going to take over and we're not going to have work to do, I think, is false because there is that connection, the creative and the, the collaborative aspect of working with another human being and having that relationship that you can't get any other way than working with somebody and, and being creative with a group of people. So, uh, yeah, I think it should be encouraging because now AI is going to take some things off of our plate in the planning process, so to right. speak, um, that will make it easier for us. But when it really comes down to working together and being creative, we can still have that human interaction and still have that connection. And it not only helps us in our business, but it's a very positive impact on just being a human. The aspect of humanity is just such an important part. I'm glad you brought that up because there is so much hype around AI for not just photography, but for every industry. And yeah. um, I, I, I totally agree with you that it's more of a tool that can help us speed up the way we work. Um, it can it can take care of like administrative work that takes away from the job that you enjoy, which is taking pictures. And so right. with, as a as a person, you can you have a certain style, you can change up that style, you can see different ways of looking at an image, whereas AI is just always parodying. It's like recreating what it's already seen. So there's no yes. like freshness to it. So I, I do think that like right now, everybody is super excited about AI photography. But at the same time, I think once the newness of it wears off, people are going to look for more originality in photos. Um, and then that's yeah. where people come in. So absolutely. Uh, what advice would you give someone who is just starting out with their photography career? I think uh, the biggest piece of advice that I could give someone that's starting out there's so many options out there and so many uh, educational resources. Uh, YouTube, if you have a library card, you can have, have access to uh, just tons of resources. Um, so the lack of resources and the lack of available, affordable education is not an issue. Definitely pursue that. Learn as much as you can. Take as many pictures as you can. Practice as much as you can. But the biggest piece of advice I would give someone and something that I wished that I had focused on more heavily in the early years of being a freelancer and something that I've really worked to incorporate now is to understand your own level of capacity and to not let 
comparing yourself to somebody else take over um, your creative process. So somebody else might be producing more, they might be able to do more, uh, but no two people have the same life and no two people have the same capacity. And I am currently taking on less work than I did before I had kids, uh, but it's understandable. My capacity is very different now and my capacity will soon shift in the next couple of years whenever both of my kids are in school full time and I have the availability and the capacity to do more. Understanding your own capacity, not just from the relationships in your life, whether you're married or single or whether you have kids or not, um, but different people have different mental capacities and emotional capacity and physical capacity. Being able to understand and respect what you can do and what you can handle is incredibly important. It's better to be slow and steady than to jump in with both feet and to get burnt out really quickly and to lose sight of why you started and to give up too early. Uh, it's important to keep everything in perspective and take care of yourself, take care of your business. Um, and ultimately taking care of yourself is taking care of your business and understanding what you can and can't do and understanding that life has seasons and your photography business or your creative business, my design business, will also have seasons where you are able to, or you have the clients coming in and you're working multiple projects at a time. And then there might be a few weeks or even a month where you don't have anything going on. And you have to understand that just like that's the nature of life, that's the nature of being a freelancer, that's the nature of the business and being able to not get overwhelmed and not get discouraged. Don't let yourself get discouraged by that, um, but be realistic about your expectations and set yourself up for success because ultimately, uh, if you can keep yourself healthy and you can keep your mind healthy, that's what's gonna give you that longevity as opposed to jumping right in and trying to do as much as possible at all times which is obviously not realistic for anyone. Yeah, that's uh, amazing advice because in the beginning, it can get so easy to look at, especially with social media, seeing everybody, other freelancers who may be growing faster or getting bigger Absolutely. clients. And so the more you just focus on your area and know that you have a different walk than everyone else, uh, the yep. happier it is and the more fun it is. Yes. Yeah, and if you get enjoyment out of it, that's what's gonna keep you going. Exactly. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us on the Indie Podcast and sharing your story. Uh, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Lindsay Moss Productions. Uh, and uh, my website is lindsaymossproductions.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to today's episode. And if you're listening and you're looking for an easier way to manage your freelance business, you can sign up to Indie to get the productivity tools, the resources, and the tips to grow your freelance business. Thanks for tuning in. Mm -hmm.